Well, Hollywood strikes. Microphone check. One, two, three, four. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Wolfpack Podcast, where we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly topics that happens on a weekly basis in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Wolfson. Without further ado, let's get down with the shitness. Now, before we get started, I know, guys, I know. Wolfson, again, it's like, guys, I have a life. Chill. There's time but times that I'm, I cannot be incon- I can be inconsistent. It's okay to be inconsistent from time to time. The fuck? Jeez. It's like I'm I'm getting asked right here, right now. Volume so high. My my check, my check, my check. It was so high. Why it was freaking high my volume? Anyways. Um, I can be inconsistent from time to time. I'm a human being. There's, I, there's stuff besides the podcast that I have to tend to do, you know, which is why we're here. Hey, welcome back, you know. Um, so let's get down with the stuff that we got to talk about, you know, because there's actually a lot to talk about. I'm happy that I can report some of these stuff and give you guys some updates on some recent events that just happened not too long ago. Um... So the first thing I want to talk about is the case of Ed Sheeran winning the copyright case. Yeah, that's pretty much the first topic that I want to discuss. Now, for those of you who don't know what's going on and why is this very important, especially for us content creators and music writers and whatnot, Ed Sheeran was copyrighted infringement and sued by um, Marvin Gaye's um, people or it's it's production or whatnot because they they believe that one of Ed Sheeran's song has the same rhythm and style and notes and and everything like the melody, everything, the sound, the melody, and everything has the same as one of all Marvin Gaye's songs. Which, by the way, we've talked about this in the music industry how a lot of people copy paste, you know some some of the same things you know the melodies the sounds and whatnot we i mentioned this in plenty of times in the earlier days of the wolfpack podcast and of course on the lone wolf podcast where i talked the comparison to one of martin garrett's old music the song that exploded animals and how it's been referenced the same melody and chord progression on other songs now the difference is is like it's okay if you do like the same chord progression but you cannot have the same melody or sound of it it could have a different different sound but it can't be the same melody and the same sound now what am i talking about so we're gonna get into here we're gonna listen to ed sheeran winning this trial um i got this from the video um from cbs morning news so they'll explain to us a little bit more of what's going on so if you take a look at here here's what's the brief out of it I'm dancing with my eyes. That is the song, Eyes Closed, off of Ed Sheeran's brand new album, Subtract, which was released overnight. And he's got a lot to celebrate right now. The singer-songwriter won a major court victory yesterday after a long legal battle over one of his most popular songs. A federal jury decided that Sheeran did not steal key elements of Marvin Gaye's 1973 song, Let's Get It On, to create his Grammy-winning hit, Thinking Out Loud. 
I'm obviously very happy with the outcome of the case, and it looks like I'm not having to retire from yeah. my day job after all. That was Ed Sheeran after the Manhattan jury in his copyright infringement trial ruled in his favor. The case began in 2017, when the heirs of the late Let's Get It On co-writer Ed Townsend filed a civil lawsuit against Sheeran, alleging he ripped his pop hit Thinking Out Loud from Marvin Gaye's soul classic. Listen for yourself. I've been really trying, baby. Darling, I will be loving you till yeah, I don't hear that much like Sheeran spoke about the lawsuit with our Seth Doan for CBS Sunday Morning before the verdict and said the song's similarities are just a fact of the music industry. The four chords that get used in pop songs and there's however many notes, eight notes or whatever, and there's 60,000 songs released every single day. You are going to get this with every single pop song from now on, like, unless it just stops, which I don't think it does because it's a big money business to take things to court. It's clearly a charged topic. Every single musician you speak to will agree with me. Every single one. You can only get caught out if you've done something wrong and I'm not, I have not done something wrong. I'm not lying here. I use four chords that are very common chords to use. And they sound like lots of songs. It just, it rolls me up, man. It, yeah. it rolls me up. And I'm, I'm never allowed to say anything. But there's so much to say. <laughs> I love that. You can watch yeah. Seth Dillon's full interview with Ed Sheeran this weekend on CBS Sunday Morning. Big win. Yeah. Huge, Huge win. win. Something win for music overall. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I mean, you know, first of all, remember that this has been going on for many years. Yes. 2017. So imagine yes. having to deal with this and then show up in court, which he did to defend yeah. his songwriting process. Yeah, he's clearly very angry about it. And he's never wavered on his, on his feeling about this. Yeah. And when he said, I will give up my music career if I lose, he was so sure that he was on the right side of history with this. But you never know with a jury, though. You also got to see the other side, too. They say, because in the eye of the beholder, the sound of the song is in the ear of the musician. That's so. absolutely right. And the jury, but you're right. Well, the jury said, you know, yes. he didn't do it. Yeah, basically, um, it's what, what, what I was saying earlier. Marvin Gaye's people basically alleges that uh, the, the thinking out loud is the same sound, the same style, the same melody, the same chord progressions as as one of the most infamous Marvin Gaye songs, you know, that like, bow, wow. I mean, you guys heard about it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna even attempt to try, you know. But here's the thing: like, I can, I can make the argument that I hear some similarities, but they're definitely not the same. And I can easily tell you guys they're in the in the in a different scale of key, and it's a different melody, different corporate. Maybe the chord progression might be slightly similar because that's why I hear the similarities, but it's not the same. The the sound is not the same, and the, the melody tune of it, the scale of it, it's also different. And obviously, the lyrics are two different lyrics. It's two different songs, you know? So for Marvin Gaye's people try to attempt of doing this, that's, mm, that was a far stretch. I don't know why they did it. Honestly, I don't know. And it's kind of like, ooh, this is kind of sketchy. I, I, I hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, the white man always wins on this. It's like, all right, we're, pu we're putting race into all this. This has nothing to do with race. This is this had to do with what's right and what's wrong. And I am happy that Ed Sheeran won this copyrighted um, infringement law. Why? Because, oh, my God, do you have any idea what this means? to the music industry and not just the music industry, but a lot of content creators who happens to fight copyright infringements every day, namely me all the time that I'm fighting with Warner Brothers Discovery because they, I allegedly copyrighted infringed one of their materials because I'm not under fair use, which I am. And I explicitly said it. I'm under fair use and I'll continue to criticize them on that because they're not playing by the rules. Um, this is a big win for a, a lot of us because that means like you can't just copyright every uh, on everything that you want just because it sounds the same. Like, no. And this is something that's been well known in the industry. People tend to, you know, take a little ideas here. If that's the case, you know, people should be having a lot more cases. 
that anybody. He literally rips off the artist and slapped his name on it. That's what it is. But I'm pretty sure behind the scenes, talk to the original creator. Hey, can I use this sound? Here's some royalties. Like, there's some business behind it. Of course, they're not going to just go ahead and do it because if not, there will be a lot more. But the 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 fact that Ed Sheeran won on this tells us that that not every label or not every team can just go ahead and strike it and, and, and will win just because you got the biggest winners and lawyers and whatnot. No, 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 no. There's some literally some hidden layers behind it. Like you have to make sure that it's go word for word and not, oh, it's sound, it almost sounds the same or it's similar to it. Like, no, no, no. That, mean, that means a lot of us can get away with stuff and say like, oh, it sounds similar to it, but it's not. It can sound the same, but it's not the same. A lot of producers can get away with it, and it's a huge victory for it. Um, now, here's something that I want to show you guys. On the billboards, it says, what does Ed Sheeran copyright win mean for music industry? In this week's Legal Beach, uh, Sheeran wins the huge courtroom victory. I'm not going to read about Tory Lanez. Tory Lanez is just old news. And Kanye West. Adidas is sued over its Kanye deal and much more. Oh my God. I'm not going to even bother. In, in his legal beat, a uh, weekly newsletter about music. Okay. I'm trying to think. Okay. This week, Ed Sheeran wins his trial over whether thinking out loud in French Marvin Gaye's iconic. Let's get it on. And here's, here's the story. That sound. You hear it's not Ed Sheeran stunning his guitar from the witness stand on a tiny audio from supposedly Smoking Gun YouTube video. It's the music business letting out a giant sigh of relief. Yeah. After one of the biggest music trials of the year, I wouldn't say it's the biggest trials of the year. Uh, calm down, Billboard. Sheeran won a jury verdict last week that his thinking out loud didn't infringe the copyrights of Marvin Gaye's fame. Let's get it on. Clear clearing the singer of wrongdoing and avoiding the potential for millions in damages. A verdict against the singer will have reverberated throughout the industry, much like the infamous 2015 verdict against Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams over the mega hit Blur Lines. Like in that earlier case, many music pros and copyright lawyers believe that Ed Sheeran and Gay Sons share only common musical building blocks that everybody is entitled to use. They're they worried that a verdict against Sheeran could have blurred the line between legal similarities and illegal copywriting. Like, what, what, what was I saying? Because they, they believe that it's like, oh, but it sounds the same. But it's not at the end of the day. At the end of the day, it's not the same. And that's what they were attacking. They were attacking because it sounds the same. We're going to sue you because you took the idea from us. It's like, it sounds similar, but it's not. And if Ed Sheeran would have lost this, then that means the music industry might be as fucked as it, as it is. And the reason why, it's because it will, it will hurt a lot of labels and a, and a lot of open cases will rise, you know, just to make a quick buck. Oh, I remember people did this song. Yo, he stole it from me. So we're going to sue people for it and his, and his people. Oh, my God. That would open Pandora's box all over. Some may argue about the Shakira case that she has with Waka Waka and uh, Hips Don't Lie, that she took it from other, other songwriters, you know? And that's still pending. But that, that would have made Shakira's case even worse. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go check out Shakira's lawsuits that she got with some of these infamous songs, you know? Um, 
Yeah, if SGM would have lost, bro, this would have been a nightmare for all music producers and content creators and whatnot because obviously now it, it all comes boils down to stick to the original. Like you have to be more original than it is than the copy paste that we normally tend to do, you know? Even though that's not a bad thing, that's a very good thing. And I encourage people to do a lot of originality. It comes first before anything. But in this music industry, a lot of people tend to copy paste from other people's ideas. Like, and I feel like the greatest artists come from that mentality. They they saw something, they saw something from someone else, and they they did it on their own and on their own taste. And boom, there you go. You got the Mona Lisa, you know, shit like that, you know. But it's good because now. A lot of these, you know, legal uh, copyright lawyers won't be able to pinpoint anymore on certain songs. It's like, hey, your song sounds similar as us. Like, hey, 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 it sounds similar, but it's not the same, right? Well, no, it, it doesn't sound the same. Well, it it sounds like a little bit like, no, 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 it's not the same. It sounds similar to it, but it's not, right? As a different chord progression, right? Well, yeah, then, then there you go. You lost. You can't, you can't copyright me. And that's good. That's very, that's, I guess that's a huge victory. And I said it itself, like, it could have blurred the lines between legal similarities and illegal copying. And what Ed Sheeran did, did not copy. And I believe Ed Sheeran, like, in this case, you know. For years, the burden of blur lines led the industry to the hyper-cautious about songs that sounded remotely dissimilar. Again, we talked about this. Music industry tend to copy-paste a lot. You know, chord progressions are always going to be the same, but the melodies and the sounds will differ and and sometimes even like a chord progression may may switch it up a little bit, you know, but but it's a good thing because then a lot of songs will be copyrighted. It'll be like a daisy chain of one song after another, after another, after another, after another. Oh, you copyright for me. No, well, you copyright for me. So you gotta go with him. Oh, but you gotta go with her. And you gotta go with him with the band. It's a, it's it's a domino effect. Musicology reports and insurance policies became far more common. Songwriter credits were liberally dolled out of the first sign of trouble by Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars for their smash at Uptown Funk by Smat Sam Smith for his Grammy winning Stay With Me and Olivia Rodrigo for her charting Good For You, among many others. When, case, when cases were filed in court, many defendants chose to quickly settle rather than face an unpredictable Jury, and that's, that's a fact. You see a lot of NDAs on them. The legal reality, though, is that the courts have slowly been backtracking from blur lines for a while. First, with an appeal court decision in 2020, is on Let's Semester Way to Heaven, then with a similar as your Kitty Bay's Dark Horse. Both of those rulings provide a clear case law that simply elements of music creation standing alone cannot be monopolized by one songwriter. Just one few months of 2020, the song Fifth Case against Donald Glover with Chinese Gambinos. And Nickel Bats over the band's Rockstar have both been dismissed at the early stages of this litigation. Far from uh, throwing the industry back into confusion, Sharon's victory last week seems to be the latest incremental step in March toward a, a post blurline world. Yeah, jury verdicts don't change case laws, but they can serve a powerful dissentative to the next round of potential copyright accusers who might be less willing to head to court if they see the artists are willing to successfully fight back rather than quickly settle when faced with the allegations. Yeah, because a lot of times, a, a lot of artists, they don't have the time to just like go into these 
cases is make, to make a point. They'd rather just settle and then call it a day and, and move on to the next one, you know? So I'm happy that Ed Sheeran took the stand and say, no, nah, no, nah, fuck this. I'm not going to settle for anything. I'm not going to pay for anything just to get this go away. And with that, no, I'm going to fight for it. I commend Ed Sheeran for doing this. And what's more admirable about it is like what, what breaks my heart on in all this is like Ed Sheeran had to miss his grandmother's funeral. Rest in peace to Ed Sheeran's grandmother. He had to miss his funeral just so he can actually be in court and prove. That's very commendable, man. And I feel I feel for him because I'm pretty sure he want to be in his grandmother's funeral than, than to attend to court. And I'm pretty sure he's going to get some, you know, like, hey, th- for missing me out and doing this, here's some copy. Here's a counter suit. But we're, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just talking out of my ass. You know, we'll see what he does after that. But uh, for Sharon, that seems to be precisely the effect of he's aiming for. By stopping this practice, we can also properly support genuine music copyright claims so that legitimate claims are rightly heard and resolved. Yeah. That's what he said uh, uh, on the chorus. We heard about it. We need songwriters and the wider musical community to come together to bring back common sense. Yes, thank you. These claims used to be stopped so that the creative process can carry on and we will all just go back to making music. 100% agree, Ed Sheeran. 100%. I'm glad that you took a stand for this. This is a good victory for us. You know, like we cannot let some of these old timers and because most of the time, all these music people are just people that are bored out of their fucking minds. Like you're telling me this song that came out not too long ago, all of a sudden, now you want to throw in some litigations out of it? You want to throw that there's copyright? Like, if that is the case, where were you in the previous stages when this song came out? Why is it now? Oh, because the song came out millions, and that's something. That's a very tactical thing that a lot of um, a lot of a lot of people tend to do. Like they tend to attack tackle you once you make millions. Obviously, it made sense because now I want a piece of that pie, you know. But I'm glad that Etrian fought for it and won and shoved those people from Marvin Gaye. Telling them no, go fuck yourselves. You ain't gonna, you're not gonna be controlling me or controlling anybody like that by doing stuff like that. I'm happy that it happened. You know, it sucks that it had to tend to be and gotta go like that way. But you know what? Victory for music creators. Let's move on to the next topic. Um, I definitely want to talk about this before we go to the Hollywood strike because that's a very that's like think the most focused part of the whole show. Of today's episode is the copyright of, of uh, the Hollywood strike and other stuff that I want to tend to talk. But I want to talk about this very quickly, very quickly. And it's about AI. Now, I briefly talked about AI and how much AI is getting scary and it's literally taking over. Like it's getting to the point that now we're talking about ch- people using chat GPT to do a lot of things, you know, that does a lot of things for you. I wonder if Chat GPT will do a song for me. Nobody would know. Well, now, now they, now you know because I just mentioned it. But I don't know how that will work, honestly. I don't know how, how that works. But it's something that, that would be dope to see, you know, because AI is good for a lot of things. Because Here's the, here's the reason I, well, I'll use AI. It will be used for toolful options not to let them run my life you no know? use it as a tool don't use it as a ends all be uh, ends all be all for everything you know and that's the scary fight 
the fact that people are tending to use it for the end of be all and be like, I want to use it for everything. Like, no, use that tool for certain things, not all things. My biggest fear of AI is that it becomes sentient. Nani? And what I mean by that is that it starts to think of its own. And because it doesn't have the human capacity of compassion and, and reasoning, AI will tend to be more of a logical common sense and everything will be boiled down logically, you know. It's a scary thing because, hey, make fun of me of mentioning look at Terminator or any other movies that we that we watch AI. Have they ended right? When have we saw a movie with AI involved that be like, oh, yeah. Look at iRobot Will, Will Smith. You guys may make him make fun of me about the about telling that, but there, it comes from an idea because this is something that can potentially happen. Look at Black Mirror. Look, look how many episodes of Black Mirror have we watched about AI? How about them controlling us? Like, it's getting scarier and scarier. And here's something that got me like spooked a little bit, and it's because um, recently the Godfather of AI left Google with fear and regrets. Something that, uh, that got, got me. At this article of The Verge, Godfather of AI quits Google with regrets and fears about his life's work. Jeffrey Hipton, who won the Nobel Prize of Computing for his trailblazing work on neural networks, is now free to speak about the risk of AI. Remember a few I don't know if it was a few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago, that Google was, that there was like somebody within Google that was talking about AI and say, hey, you need, you guys need to unplug, unplug it because it's becoming sentient. It's starting to learn on its own. And Google is like, no, you're not. It's shut up. You're Google. Maybe it's this guy or maybe some, someone else is finding out. But let's take a look. So Jeffrey Hinton who is who known as the godfather of AI, um, now says a part of him regrets his life's work. Hinton recently quit his job at Google in order to speak freely about the risk of AI, which that's, that alone is crazy as it is. You work for a big tech company like Google and you had to quit for you to speak the risk of something that's, that's in, in, inevitable, that's imminent within our reach. That's crazy how Google might actually silence you just to say, don't say these bad things. And he had to quit just to say these. This is ah, messy. I console myself with normal excuse. If I hadn't done it, somebody else would have. Um, Hinton, who had been employed for Google for more than a decade, it's hard to see how you can prevent the bad actors from using it for bad things. Hinton notified Google of his resignation last morning. Now, first, I talked to the CEO. Sundar Pichai directly, according to uh, details of the discussion, were not disclosed. The lifelong academic joined Google after acquiring a company started by Hinton and two of his students, one who went to become the chief scientist at OpenAI. Hinton and his students had developed a neural network that taught himself to identify common objects like dots, cats, and flowers. And after analyzing thousands of photos, it is what work that ultimately led to the creation of ChatGPT and Google Bard. Oh, I didn't know there was another one other than ChatGPT. Huh. 
According to NYT interview, Hinton was happy with Google's stewardship of technology until Microsoft launched the new OpenAI-infused Bing, challenging Google's core business and sparking a cold red response inside the search giant. It's always had to be something bigger and better, huh? Such fierce competition might be impossible to stop, Hinton said, resulting in a world with much fake imagery and text that nobody will be able to tell what's true anymore. That is a scary thing. Gucci scientist Jeff Dean worked to solve the blow with the following statement. We remain commit, committed to a responsible approach to AI. We're continually learning to understand emerging risk while also innovating boldly. Hinter took it to Twitter to clarify his position on Google's stewardship. Kate Metz implied that I left Google so that I can criticize Google. Actually, I left so that I can talk about the dangers of AI without considering how this impacts Google. Google has acted very responsible. Oh, okay. I hope so. The spread information is only Hilton's imminent concern. On a longer timeline, he's worried that AI will eliminate road jobs and possibly humanity itself as AI begins to write and run its own code. Again, sentient. The idea that stuff could actually get smarter than people, a few people believe that, but most of the people thought it was way off, and I thought it was way off. I thought it was uh, 30 to 50 years or even longer away. Obviously, I no longer think that. Oof, that's, yeah, that's that's scary to think about it, man. The fact that AI has gone to the point that it can think itself and it can go far reach other things and start, it's a scary, it's a scary thought. And it's a very, very slippery slope on this, if I, if I may do so, so myself. Very, it could be very sleepy and very tricky. Because the stuff like that is what leads to disasters, you know. Um, when it comes to when it comes to like what they were saying about replacing humans on jobs, I can give a little bit pushback because there's certain things that a, a, a AI can write its own code and do better than an a than a human, you know. But I do not believe that they will be able to replace. Every every job in its sisters, like no, it's physically impossible unless you actually have a, unless you have a, uh, a robot that we that has AI. It's we're still we're still in the in the in the stages of ro of robots of androids and whatnot. Like it's still way too far. Like we can't even have that, or it's still not be able to punch him. You know, so writing codes and stuff. You know, like. I can see it taking over a little bit on fast food chains and certain retails by, you know, ordering what you want and and you can pick it up. That's already happening as it is. That I, I can see it. Um, but writing, you know, movies or TV shows or even making music, like, I don't think so because you still need the soul of human you, because they were, they're going to think logically. They're not going to think, you know, what a human can think of. So it's still, it's still, you know, but it's still a, a scary thought to think about that, you know, AI can do a better job than you. It's still a scary thought. No, not going to doubt about it. Something that my cousins uh, sent me on the group chat, and I definitely want to talk about it, you know, and it was this little nugget. Um, I'm going to show you guys. So by Paul G, Paul Granham, observation suggests that people are switching... Uh, switching to using chat GBT to write things for them with almost 
and this in haste. Most people hate to write as much as they hate math, way more than they admit it. Within a year, the medium piece of writing could be used by the AIs. I warned you now, this is going to have an unfortunate consequences, just as switching to living in suburbia and, dri and driving everywhere did. When you lose the ability to write, you also lose some of your ability to think. I don't have the slightest hope of averting the switch. I often tell startups it's the, it's safe to bet on laziness. And this is one of the biggest bets on laziness in history. The switch is going to happen. We won't know the consequences till it's too late. But, but. I'm not warning about the switch, uh, the switch to AI in the hope of averting it, but to warn the few people who care enough to save themselves or their kids learn to use AI it's a powerful technology and you should know how to use it, but also learn how to write. <laughs> facts, facts, and more facts. It's true what he says, you know? And, and let me elaborate a lot more on that because, like I said earlier in the statement of using AI, I would love to use AI as a tool, but not as my, like, I'm going to rely on it on everything, on everything, you know? And the ability that I can think about stuff and use AI to, to help me achieve it. That's because I did a lot of thinking and I did a lot of research for me to actually ob obtain it. But I didn't do this lazy route, but just like not do anything. Just give me something like, and that's it. Call it a day. I agree with the guy. The few people that, are, that know about this, like learn how to use it. Yes, learn how to use it and, uh, and use it to your advantage. But don't use the switch of being lazy about it and do everything on the lazy route because then you won't have any cre uh, any creative process. You lose the ability to think and be creative about it. It's what makes us humans, you know, innovate and, and be better for ourselves, you know? You know how many people, would, what it is to, that can, you know, say, hey, I did this topic about social economy and I can be like, oh, that's cool. What are your thoughts? And be like, huh? Yeah, what are your thoughts? Like, oh, yeah, the social economy is bad. We need to, it's like, didn't you just made an article about it? Like, I read some of the articles and, it's, and it says that your 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 take about this is so and so and this and this. And they'll be like, yeah, 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 exactly. Just like that. That's how you know, like, they didn't do any of the writing. They just lazy and give it to AI. This actually is troublesome for a lot of ghost writers and ghost producers, you know? when they got to write some of the stuff or make some of these music and they can because now the person is going to do it through chat GBT or any AI server and they just do the job for them. But they're going to lose the essence of being a human. Like I said earlier, they can, they, they think logical, logically with the statistics and predictions and the most common sense that makes up, but they don't have the human error like we do. That's what lights of AI. And that's what, that's what succeeds more, the human error. Sure, we would like to have humans to be a lot more logical and common sense, but we're not. We're not logical and common sense people. We're irrational. We're illogical. We're, we're, we, don't, we don't carry the common sense with us, you know? And, but that's still what thrives being a human, you know? And you letting your AI do the job, it's another episode of Black Mirror, a term, Terminator, Skynet, you know? Um, I don't know what other crazy movies uh, you know, you can think of. It, it's crazy to think about these, you know, iRobot, you know, scenario. 
Yeah, no, it's scary. My thoughts about this is like use AI as a tool, not as your like answer to everything, you know? Otherwise, we're going to end up like the people from Wally. If anybody have seen Wally from Disney's Pixar, it's an old, you know, movie that they show you how all humans are a bunch of fat, obese people and they're lazy and they just do everything from their chairs and not move around. We'll end up like them. It may be a little bit funny for a lot of people, but it, no, that's actually the true reality of it. We can end up like that. So my thoughts, keep AI on at arm's length and use it if you really need to use it, not because you want to use it. You And use it as a responsibly and as a tool, not as the answer to everything. I've already heard from people, um, professors, that, that they got their first AI, a chat GPT report from them. Because their students basically copy paste it from Chat GPT and then put it on the on the report. And then on the report, they basically forgot to, they didn't read it because they wanted to say this is a copy from Chat GPT. Wow, isn't it? Wow. Let's move on to the next topic. Uh, because now I want to get to the nitty-gritty on the Hollywood, on what's going on in Hollywood, you know? Uh, and what's going on with Hollywood is that. Right now, there has been a strike. It's been uh, of writers. This strike has been happening for quite some time, like already like a week or two weeks so far, close to it. I don't know. And because of it, a lot of productions are in hold. And if they're in hold, that means that a lot of these productions will be delayed, you know? Now, let me show you what I'm talking about, of the reasoning why. And in, I, I can give you the brief summary to it. Brief summary, the reason why writers are on a strike it's because a lot lately a lot of the a lot of the movies and TV shows are streamable. They hardly make it into the big screen or even on the TV screen. Now that's just streamable. Anybody who's in a subscription, they can stream it. What's wrong with that? Um, a lot of these writers, they don't get paid for per number of streams. And if they do get paid for the streams that it gets watched on their show or on their movies, we're talking about cents, pennies. Less than pennies, you know, while the big companies, the production companies, they get all the money out of it. So they get nothing. They get nothing. So that's why you're on strike. It's like, what the fuck? It's like I get I pay a lot. I get paid a lot more money when the movie's out there on the on the um, theaters. But as soon as it gets to streaming, I get I get paid shit. Kind of like how the music works where royalties like, you know, like, oh, you know, my my song is get paid is stream for a billion streams, but I get a thousand dollars, two thousand a million. It's something that I remember that something I heard from Snoop Dogg recently, and when he was on a seminar in LA, he, he said like you know like he remembers that you know if he's it if he sold um ten million copies on a hardcore CD, he gets ten thousand dollars because I no is it ten thousand no it was. I think it was I think it was like 10, 10 times ten thousand. I don't I don't remember. It was I remember that every CD costs like ten ten dollars per CD. If he sold like a certain amount, he gets ten million dollars. That's what he gets. That's how it, how it used to be, you know. But now with these streamings, it's just pennies, you know. So obviously the whole writers thing, I would agree with them by striking down because it's not fair. Here's here's some of the articles and some uh, of about that and and some of the things that I 
wholeheart and wholehearted agree. And also all the things that are on hold right now because of it. Let's take a look at CNBC. On this article, it tells us members of the Writers Guild of America dropped their pencils and headed for a picket line in a week ago, and their walkout is already hurting Hollywood productions. Fats, more than 11. Jesus. More than 11,000 film and television writers who said their compensation doesn't match the revenue generated in the streaming era are on a strike for the first time since 20, uh, 2008. Immediately, daily late night shows were dark alongside the weekly comedy stables like Saturday Night Live. Since then, several notable films and shows have been halted on, or, or wrapped production early, including Netflix, Stranger Things, Disney's, Disney and Marvel's Blade, Apple TV's Severance, and Paramount's Evil. Beyond the delayed production and likely delayed releases of these titles, in, industry experts worried to work pause could have a financial toll greater than than that of the previous writer strikes. Writers who, who manned the picket lines 15 years ago remain on strike for 100 days, leading to the estimate a cost of $2 billion in the industry. Yikes! According to the data, that was, that was in 08 when it happened. It also had major economic repercussions. Of course, this is the first strike of its kind during the streaming era, and it hits many companies across three different facets of the media business, theatrical, linear TV, and streaming. Facts. The WGA is seeking higher compensation and residual, particularly when it comes to streaming shows, and as well as new rules that will require studios to staff television shows with a certain number of writers for a specific period. The WGA is also seeking compensation throughout the process of pre-productions, productions, and post-productions. Uh, post Currently, writers are often expected to provide revisions or craft new materials without being paid. That's shitty. That's shitty as it is. Several producers finished scripts such as Amazon's The Ring of Powers have decided to continue filming without writers or showrunners on the set. Others have opted to postpone the production. That's kind of like, ooh, I know you got to do a job, but if anything goes wrong, you need to rewrite, then you're on your own on the rewrite. On Monday, Apple drama series Severance paused production on its second season after members of the International Alliance of Fierical Shades blah, 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 and Testament refused to cross the agent. Yeah, this is a second Apple TV series shut down because of the show after Maya Rudolph's The Loop paused filming last week in Los Angeles. Stranger Things, you know, Matt and Ross Duffer announced the fifth and final season of the show has been delayed because of the labor armrest. Writing does not stop. Writing does not stop when filming begins. The duo tweeted, while we're excited to start production with our amazing cast and crew and it's not possible during the strike. You know, we hope a fair deal is reached soon so we can all go back to work. I agree, man. Um, scroll down, scroll down. Yeah. Ripple effects. The strike is already having ripple effects across the industry as stars and talent standing in solidarity. Drew Barrymore stepped away from her role in the MTV Mo uh, Movie Awards and support of WJ. Several presenters like Jamie Lee Curtis also indicated that they will not attend the ceremony. The show ultimately canceled its live broadcast and aired a tape version of air of the events Sunday night. At home, viewers may not notice the strikes fade right away as episodes of popular shows continue to be released. However, future seasons could experience. Yeah, exactly. If I want to watch a fucking season of uh, one of my favorite shows, I won't be able to see it in two years from now because of this whole. You know, there's just telling you a lot of you know a lot of things are being done. The longer the strike continues, the more production are expected to affect. Yeah. And then there was another one that I saw. It's going to be a while. No ends in sight um, for the Hollywood strike. And I feel like that's true. Here's the, like the writers go strike, my mans. 
It's not just Purin and screenwriters continued their strike against Hollywood companies. The two sides remain galaxy apart, portraying a potential long and destructive standoff. No, it's just it's just bad, you know. Oh, the other reporter was eleven thousand. Here it says eleven thousand five hundred screenwriters. Oh my God, it's it's a messy, messy thing. The Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers, which bargain on behalf of studios, streaming services, the network, and you know, uh, the hopes that to reach a deal that is mutually beneficial to writers and health and longevity of this industry privately. However, members of the company said that they are prepared to weather a strike of at least 100 days. The most recent writer's strike, which began in and then in 09, lasted that long. Yeah. Uh, both sides have insisted that the other needs to make the first move to restart talks. None are scheduled. And for the moment, media companies have turned to contract renewal renegotiations in the direct, uh-huh, which starts on Wednesday. That contract expires on June 30. Yeah, like writers, directors, and other actors are following in. And given the relative short duration of the position, those writers are left scrambling, left to acknowledge if the show is not picked up, if the show does not green light. Hero writers are sometimes hired because blueprints and several scripts are being already created. And that's another thing. People that, who are not give out just one yacht. Hmm. Isn't that true? Uh, what are my thoughts on this? And, Amy, and we're going to switch it to another thing. Uh, whew, it's messy. And I agree with the writers on this. And I and it's be, it all started because of the streaming service. This didn't just happen like a few weeks ago that we all find out like, no, this has been implemented for quite some time. And if anything, I blame it on the pandemic that accelerated some of these things because it hurts a lot of people now because there's some writers that I know that they're not part of the writer, uh, writer strike. And it's because they cannot live without, you know, they need to make money out, out of writing. So they stand on the company. It's like, yo, I, I need to make a living. And I stand by those writers too. No, don't get me wrong. Those writers has every right to, to say, yo, guys, stop, stop doing this. Let me just go to work. All right. I need to go to work. I stand by those because, you know, it's not their fault. They didn't ask for this. They're okay with the, what, they, they, what they have. And, you know, you're taking that away from them. You're making them homeless. And two things can be right. I stand by those writers that still stick with those companies so they can continue working and they can get paid. And I still stand by by the, by the writers that say, you know, it's not fair that we're not getting paid for these, you know, streaming service. And I foresaw this a little bit on when the pandemic happened, you know, when everything got switched from, t- from feeders to streaming and you, they, and these studios, it said, saw how much money they can win by streaming shit and cutting the middleman. Yeah. That'd be like, yeah, I, I want to, I, you know, why not? Why not? And the thing about streaming, and I knew this, something like this was going to happen sooner or later, is that who's paying attention to the streamings? Only the, only the big companies are paying attention to that. They only know how much is getting streamed. But the writers and the actors and the directors, they don't know anything. They don't know how much. They only know, like, what has been reported. Analytics stuff, like, they got nothing, so they don't know how much money they're making out of those streams. And I knew eventually it has has to come down that eventually some of these companies, they have to pay some of their writers or the people or get some royalties out of it. Because usually royalties come out of, you know, when a, when a studio um, uses your movie for, for their TV so they can have a movie night or 
or the number of or a number of you know movies that they're getting paid physically copies, you know. But now on the streaming service is much more cheaper. You can buy a physical copy for twenty something dollars, or you can get it for five bucks and rent it for one day. Of course, some they're gonna take that deal. The five dollars, what? And obviously, that five dollars doesn't get split to the to all the people who made that movie. That five dollars goes straight to the company. So obviously, it makes a lot of sense. And some why some of these writers will be mad. It's like what the fuck. And obviously, if you're subscribing to HBO when they put all these movies and TV shows, they only put it around HBO Max, which is gonna be Max. Um, they'll be like, "What the fuck, dude? Like, how are we gonna do this? Like, how are you guys? How are you guys getting money? I'm just streaming the the episode. We get dick. That's the whole argument that's happening right now. And I'm I'm with it. You know, I'm with it. And at the same time, I'm with with the people. You know, they're trying to make. Eventually, eventually. They have the studio. Re- the studios have to cave. They have to. Their biggest excuse is like, we'll find somebody that just recently came out of college and they're looking for a job. We'll pay them right now. Because I'm pretty sure that's exactly what's happening. I'm pretty sure that's that, what they're trying to do. They're just hiring people who are who are desperate need and they need somebody to write this show right now. One hundred percent, it's happening. I know, and I know they have it. It's like, why should I pay you money when this guy is willing to do for less? That's that's the argument, you know. That's the argument. But a lot of times, I will tell this, and th- this happens a lot more on freelance kids. Why should I pay you a lot of money when you can when you can do it for less? Here's the thing: there's things that you can do for less, and there there's things that you have to pay the money. You have to pay what it's worth, you know. Um, the reason why I ask for this money is because of this, 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 this. I'm not ask. You're not paying for the. You're not paying for. For all the stuff that I have, you're paying for the knowledge that I have. The knowledge that I know you're that you're gonna have something great. You want to have a, a a movie level production, a movie level script writing. You have to pay me this much, and you're and and my actions speak louder than my words. No pun intended. But sometimes they don't want to. Sometimes they want to go to Chibro, and that's why you always wonder why we got shitty movies or some movies that don't. You know, because sometimes some of these. Execs don't do their uh, their research and jumping off on that from that to to this because this is also something that involves with Hollywood a lot that I that I do see them a lot more often and is when some of these execs or head people when they do a show or a movie they basically don't know what the fuck they're doing they assume that what they're what they're doing is yeah it's exactly what the people want but no they're just going about what is being done because other sets says this is how it is and that's how you do it and you're eliminating the creative process of it now this stance of something that i recently saw the other day which grinded my gears and it was um how uh, the doctor strange uh, second movie you know, the multiverse, multiverse of madness, the writers weren't able to watch WandaVision before finishing the sequel. That grinded my gear so much because it just tells me that you just made WandaVision the bad guy without even watching the the, the show. Without watching the show. You guys don't believe me. Look, there's it's literally an article from my GM. WandaVision wasn't it wasn't finished yet, said Elizabeth Olsen. It, if it seems that Warner Scarlet Witch's character beats uh, beats were a little off in Doctor Strange in the multiverse, well, there might be a good reason for that. The sequel's writers couldn't watch WandaVision and 
as it wasn't finished yet. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because the, the thing says it all. The title says it all. These people did not watch WandaVision. All because the executives told them, like, no, 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 like, let them do their thing. Like, do your own thing. This is what the people, it, it gets the people, go with it, you know? It grinds my gears because it just shows you why certain things don't work. Because these executives, by just throwing money, they assume that just throwing money, this is how it's going to work. Like, no. And I feel like some of these people, if you're going to do the job, you need to have some background with it. You can't just do a job by saying, like, I'm an executive producer or I'm a producer of a show if you have no background on being a writer or being a director or being an actor. Now, those who've been actors and being directed, like such as Ben Affleck and being producers like Kevin Hart, that they produce certain movies, that makes sense. And when you watch those movies, then they're actually pretty good. Why? Because they know what it is to be an actor. They know what it is to be the role of a director. They know the role of a producer. And they can and they can feel the similarities and they can team up and look all right ways in which things can work out. Now, a person that has, does not know anything about what's going on with the show and they just for mind and has the has that has the the final say of how the product should look like. What? Nani? You have notes of how the product should look like, Bruh. but yet you have not watched the show. You have not watched the background of the, the premise of it. You have no experience of writing. You have no experience of directing. You have no experience of acting. You have no experience even to the, ma uh, to the material, yet you have a final say? Huh? Nani? Tell me how that works. Tell me how, how, how does that make sense? Make it sense. Emotional, damn it. You have total control of a project that you have no idea of the source material and you're telling writers to like just write down and this is how I want the final product to be like without making any research. See, this is the part where I say, gotcha, bitch. The qualifications of certain roles, you need to have some background on something. You can't just go ahead and apply for a job and say like, this is how it works. It's like, but do you have any background with this? No, but I know that this is it. And this happens a lot more than you think. Not just, not just on the film industry. On the, uh, it's in the music industry, in the entertainment industry, on the food industry, in the hotel industry. Bro, like you got people that hire, there are managers and their experience with the hotels is zero to none. They just got good um, customer service and a lot of years of being a supervisor on a retail store or something or somewhere else that's completely different from the hotel. You get that a lot more than you think. It's very common. So you're a manager, but you don't have any managing experience with this industry. You're hired. <laughs> yeah, just like that. You serious? That's why I feel like some of these executive producers, they should shut the fuck up when it comes to the creative process of some TV shows and, and whatnot. Unless you are part of it and you know what you're doing, I suggest you shut the fuck up. In fact, you should follow people like Dick Wolf, who is an executive producer of Law & Order, all the Chicago series, you know, Chicago, PD, Med, and Fire. Um, 
And also Christopher Nolan, who writes and directs and, and it's also our executive producer and producer to all his films. Like, yeah, be like those guys because they know what the fuck they're doing. Why? Because they, they've been experienced as writers. They've been experienced as, as, as directors as well. They know what the fuck they're doing. They know like, all right, this is how it's supposed to be. They have the final say because they know what they're talking about. They have the background experience. But someone who barely has any background experience handles a multi-million dollar movie or TV show without having any mater source materials of it. Gotcha, bitch. Hit the button. Congratulations. You played yourself. Nah, screw you guys at that point. You know, like, and this is exactly why a lot of movies and TV shows fail. Why people don't relate to it. Because it, it's like, like it makes no sense. And their excuse is like, oh, I knew, I know what people like. No, you don't. If you're not if you don't, you know how all executive producers do that, and that's how you go about. There's a formula to it. Oh, this is how you do it. All right, then that's how I'm gonna do it. But you don't know what the people like because you don't ask for it. Sure, you can make the argument that well, that's why they got their assistance and they got their surveys to see what they like and don't like. Sure, but how many times have we seen that? Very little. These people don't really give a shit. As long as they make the money out of it, and it's like I'm good. I keep the job. I can keep doing. It. It's all about money at the end of the day, which is. My thoughts and my final thoughts and all this, like if you're gonna, if you're a writer, make and if you're gonna second a producer, make sure that you have the backgrounds of before of knowing what sort of material or being a writer or something. I feel like that should be the least qualifications for you to say, I, I, I know what I'm doing because if you're gonna do final saints and all this, this could be, this could make or break a movie or a TV show. So you have to be careful and you have to let your writers to do the creative thinking, the directors as well. Let them be creative because that's how it works. That's how some of these, you know, infamous shows were like the Stranger Fans and the in uh, the Game of Thrones, all because you let the creatives do their job. But no, then we'll end up like a, a like the final season of Game of Thrones, which is a shit show. <laughs> My thoughts on the writers, um, keep fighting the good fight, guys. I'm with you guys. And the writers who are like still working with these people, take as much money as you can. And then once negotiations are done, negotiate with them. Say, hey, I want this. That's all I got. Um, before we wrap this up, one last thing. And I, I want to mention, um, I'm going to give an update to Jamie Foxx's condition because, you know, Jamie Foxx is under in the hospital with a stroke. We don't know how good or bad is happening. They say earlier it's, at first, they say it was bad. At then, it became good. And now it's like, not so bueno. So here's something that I want to show you guys. Um, Jamie Foxx updated how the actor is doing during hospitalization. Um, recently, they're saying that the family is preparing for the worst, which is not a good thing. You know, here's, here's the video of it. This morning, people close to actor Jamie Foxx giving an update on his mysterious hospitalization. A source telling People Magazine they were told the Ray star... I might be blind, but I ain't stupid. ...who is recovering in a hospital from an undisclosed medical emergency last month... They said it was stable for, ...and you know, not in a life-threatening situation now. That yeah, person also say. saying doctors are doing more tests and want to be completely sure stroke, that he will be know. okay before allowing him is. to be discharged and that the Oscar winner has been advised to keep his stress level down once he leaves the mm. hospital. Sources do tell people that they want to make sure that he is perfectly stable when they do eventually release him. But unfortunately, we still don't know exactly when that will be. 
this update coming just days after this message was posted on Fox's Instagram account saying, appreciate all the love feeling blessed. Before being hospitalized, the 55-year-old was most recently seen filming in Atlanta with co-star Cameron Diaz on the set of Netflix's upcoming film, Back in Action. The Fox insider telling people what happened to him medically is serious enough to keep him in the hospital, but adding the hospital is the last place Jamie wants to be, yeah. saying he has a lot of projects going man. on. He's on his he 50s. gets things like, done. He's, he's he is focused young, and astute. We've heard like, from some what... friends in his inner circle that he is recovering well, and they all do uh, hope for the best, and they do think that he will come out of this uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah. Right now, we don't know what's going on. But fam <sighs> yeah, 55, you know, after a medical complication on April 11, and it's been weeks. We don't know what it is. It could be a stroke or something. Um, but recently, I know I saw, recently I saw that the family is preparing for the worst because of their recent tweet. I don't know why, but it's, that's not a good sign. Mm, that's not a good sign, honestly. Family, yeah. Family, Jamie Foster's family preparing for the worst, which that's not a good sign. If they're saying that it's preparing for the worst, it's like his health complications got a Got a little bit more complicated than what it than what you than what it was. Um, I'm looking at the other articles. Um, this is like family holds for cry but prepares for the worst. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe we're we're exploiting it. Maybe we're just like it being a little bit more too much. But a lot of but it's it's not good if family members are saying stuff like this. You know so. We're going to wrap this up. I'm sorry that it ended with this, you know, sad turn of a notes. You know, you know, I hope for Jamie Fox's recovery, have a speedy recovery. Hope nothing but the best. You know, our thoughts and prayers to him and his family. He's going to pull through. He's too early to leave this world, man. We're going to see what happens. Um, we don't know its conditions. Some say this is strokes. Others speculating. We don't know the specifics. And I like that they keep it very private about it and they haven't mentioned it until everything's clear in the open. So we're going to wrap it up. Um, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, every break is a brand new episode with a brand new topic. So always remember to like and subscribe for your weekly episodes at youtube.com slash the Lone Wolf Podcast where you can check all my latest episodes of the Wolf Pack Podcast and the Lone Wolf Podcast. 